Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bib, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us on this last Sunday of pre-Lent as we enter the short, or enter as we begin to leave, really, uh, the short pre-Lent season. Uh, we've come to Quinquagesima, which means about 50 days from Lent. And so we followed those 70, 60, 50, and now on Ash Wednesday we'll begin Lent proper. But before we get to that, I want to turn your attention to the back of the bulletin today as we continue following our midweek school students through their uh, memory work in Luther's small catechism as we've now come to the sacrament of baptism. And I included the heading that's found in the catechism as well for each section uh, that we have of the six chief parts. As the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household, today we have before us the sacrament of baptism. So I'll ask you the question, what is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word, which is that word of God. Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I'll share with you today also the central thought that's included from the Catechism. Baptism is from God, since our Lord Jesus instituted baptism, joining water to God's word and his triune name. This is how God makes us his dear children and disciples. And as Christians, we are God's baptized people. We are his adopted children together with all believers, and we live and die in the confidence that he has redeemed us and we are his. And of course, we would do well to remember that baptism is something God does for us. It is God's action, not the other way around, wherein he brings us into his holy Christian church and joins us to Jesus Christ, our Savior. As we look at the service proper, again, it's Quinquagesima Sunday, and we have a summary of our readings on the inside of the back cover of the bulletin, so I'll direct you to that place now. The seeing are blind, while the one who is blind can see. Jesus tells the twelve that he is going up to Jerusalem to suffer and die and rise again, but they cannot understand or grasp what he is saying. The meaning of his words is hidden from their sight. However, as Jesus makes his way up to Jerusalem, a blind man calls out to him for mercy. The blind man sees that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, for he calls him Son of David. Indeed, Jesus is the Lord's anointed, the keeper of sheep, who goes to lay down his life for the sheep. He is the incarnate love of the Father, who suffers, lo who suffers long and is kind, who is not puffed up, who never fails us. Jesus opens the eyes of the blind to see him, not according to outward appearances of lowliness, but according to his heart of mercy and compassion. Those who behold him thus by faith follow him to the cross through death into life. And as our Lord came to us in such a humble manner in his earthly life, he now comes to us in and under the humble means of bread and wine, where we receive his true body and true blood for the forgiveness of sins and the strengthening of faith and eternal life. But as we come to receive this blessed gift, he asks us to be in unity in our confession, not just what we confess about the supper itself, but in the whole of what we confess as Christians. Therefore, those joining us at the altar this day, we ask be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, joining us in that one common orthodox confession of the Christian faith. Our divine service this day is divine service setting three as it begins on page 184. We now sing the first hymn. O oh Lord, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of our sins, deliver us from every evil, 
Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for Quinquagesima is from 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed him, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body up to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, 
even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Quinquagesima marks the final Sunday in Jesuitide, this brief pre-Lent season. In the past weeks, we've been preparing for our journey through Lent. So reflecting on that preparation, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the originator and perfecter of our faith, we have beheld much. We've watched as Jesus did the very things he spoke of in his parables concerning the kingdom of heaven. Think back two weeks to Septuagesima. On that Sunday, we saw Jesus as the owner of the vineyard who was going out calling laborers into his vineyard, rewarding them, not because of how much or how little they worked, but by his grace alone. We were taught to leave our grumbling behind and to rejoice that God gives forgiveness, life, and salvation to undeserving sinners solely by grace for the sake of Christ. Last week was sexagesima. We saw Jesus going out as the sower of the seed. Our Lord casts his living and active word far and wide, desiring that all would come to the knowledge of the truth, desiring that all would be saved. Many who hear his word harden their hearts in unbelief, wither away in persecution, or get choked off by the cares and pleasures of life, lusting after wealth, lusting after possessions, and self-serving idolatry. And yet there still exists a great and bountiful harvest of souls, the holy Christian church. The word of God always accomplishes the purposes for which he sends it. Jesus, who is the word incarnate, the word made flesh, did not return to his father empty. He accomplished salvation for sinners like you and like me in his crucifixion and resurrection. And so, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God works faith in the hearts of those who hear and believe the Gospel. So we confess, and this is the case with you, dear children of God. But today, we do not hear another parable about the Kingdom of Heaven. 
Jesus does not just go out anywhere. He took the twelve to himself. He gathered them to himself and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. And that word for accomplished is the root word for it anyway. It's the same thing which our Lord utters on the cross when he says it is finished, accomplished, fulfilled, completed. That is indeed what he came to do. This was the third time Jesus told them he was going to die. Our Lord gave his disciples a very graphic description of what lie ahead of him, foretelling of what the Son of Man must and will fulfill. All that the Old Testament prophets had written concerning the Christ, the one who is the prophesied Son of David, would be fulfilled, accomplished, and finished in Jerusalem. That journey is beginning now. And although he had spoken to them plainly and clearly, we're told that the disciples understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them. Know what we call the divine passive. It was hidden from them. And they did not grasp what was said. Now the time for understanding would come. However, for now the disciples did not and could not see. Rest assured, those eyeballs in their heads worked just fine. There was nothing lacking there. What they lacked was spiritual sight. They saw Christ as in a mirror dimly. Was Jesus more than an ordinary man? Most certainly. Did they believe that he was the Christ? Yes, without question. However, they did not grasp the fullness of what it meant that he was the Christ, the promised Messiah. Jesus' disciples would see everything happen to him, but they would not understand it rightly until he appeared to, appeared to them on the day of his resurrection. Then we are told by St. Luke, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Though the disciples did not yet see Christ clearly, they were about to meet a man rather quite ironically, who did. St. Luke tells us, It came to pass then, as Jesus drew near to Jericho, that a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he was asking what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What the disciples failed to see, the blind man sees clearly. He cried out as we do at the beginning of the divine service, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. You see, when we pray, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, we are not asking the Lord for another absolution. We just received his absolution. The cry of Lord have mercy is a cry of faith. It is the cry of a beggar asking for gifts from a merciful and kind-hearted king who is passing by on the way. It is the cry of those in need, seeking the mercy, help, and compassion of the only one who can bestow these gifts upon you. Therefore, this blind beggar cries out in faith, seeing and knowing by faith who Jesus truly is. He is the promised Son of David. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. St. Luke continues and tells us, And those who are in front, of, in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. The people going before and in front of this begging blind man are devilish. They're demonic. They tell the man to shut up. And this is what the devil attempts with us when it comes to our prayers. The devil tries to make you believe that Jesus does not care, that Jesus does not hear you, or that worse yet, that Jesus does not want to hear your prayers. Perhaps you've known people in your life that have spoken these same lies to you. Perhaps you have been that very person to someone else. If so, repent. 
You see, the devil wants you to believe his lies. The devil wants you to doubt the promises of God. The devil does not want you to pray. Why? Because the evil plans and purposes of the devil are undone by your prayers to Jesus, dear saints. Prayer is detrimental to the devil's vile schemes. Remember the third petition of the Lord's Prayer and its meaning. We just reviewed this a handful of weeks ago on the first Sunday after Christmas, but let's hear it again. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. How is God's will done? God's will is done, and I love this, when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die, this is his good and gracious will. Amen. Dear saints, as we prepare to enter Lent, and indeed, as we go through the whole of our lives in this fallen world, cry out to the Lord for his mercy. He delights to pour out his mercy upon his repentant children. Spite the devil, spite the world, spite even your own sinful flesh, and cry out for the Lord's mercy, praying that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When your spiritual enemies rebuke you and they tell you to shut up, Take an example from your brother in Christ whom we see in the gospel this day. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what follows, we see the Lord's compassion. We see his kindness. Then having stopped, Jesus commanded him to be brought to him. Then having drawn near to him, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he received sight and followed him, glorifying God. The begging blind man saw and beheld Jesus by faith, clearly. He saw Jesus for who he truly was and is, the Son of God and Son of Man. Jesus is King David's greater son. This is what faith does. In the face of unbelief and of opposition, faith clings to the sure and certain promises of God. Faith clings to Christ Jesus alone. Though this man lacked physical sight, he beheld Jesus by faith, and he clung to the promises concerning Christ in his word. And notice also that before Jesus met this man, he just got done telling his disciples of his urgent need to go to Jerusalem. Despite this, Jesus stops. He pauses in order to help this man. In this act of compassion, we see that our gracious Lord, he is never too busy for our prayers. He is always at hand to hear you, his beloved ones, when you cry out to him. Therefore, when you pray, Lord, have mercy, know that Jesus comes near to you with the very same question. What do you want me to do for you? The Lord Christ, who stopped on his way to Jerusalem so that he could inquire of a blind beggar, stops before us poor beggars, us poor miserable sinners, and he hears our petitions and our prayers as well. God be praised. Dear saints in Christ Jesus, as we stand ready to begin our journey to Jerusalem once again, to follow him to the cross, the prayer of the blind man becomes our own. Lord Jesus, let me recover my sight, or more bluntly, let me see again. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of David, let me see again your cross and your passion, your precious death and burial. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, let me see again your blood of the covenant shed for me for the forgiveness of my sins. O merciful Lord, let me see again your perfect love, 
that is patient, kind, and long-suffering, how you gave your body and shed your blood for my forgiveness and salvation. There is much for us to learn and to take to heart in this gospel lesson today. However, before we finish, I want to draw your attention to Jesus' word to that man that he healed. He says, your faith has saved you. Now, it's common for Jesus to give credit to faith for the things that he does. But dear saints, the most important thing is not that this man's faith made him physically see again. Remember, all too soon his eyes will be closed in the sleep of death. The most important thing is that his faith saved him in order that his eyes would be opened again on the last day and he would behold the same Lord who stood before him that day in Jericho, the same Lord who by his word and spirit gave him that very faith. That is what we desire also. True saving faith that sees Jesus, that clings to the Christ alone by his spirit. The Lord gives us such faith by his chosen means, his very word and sacraments. In baptism, you were brought forth from darkness to light, which is itself another picture of going from blindness to sight. In his living and active word, the spirit both calls you to faith in Christ and strengthens that faith. And in the absolution, Christ Jesus forgives your sins through his servant as surely as if he stood here before your very eyes. And in his supper, Jesus draws near to you and he answers your pleas for mercy as you taste and see that the Lord is good. Indeed, his mercy, his peace, his forgiveness, these are all yours in his feast of grace. So taking one last look at this beggar, we hear that upon receiving his sight, he followed Jesus, glorifying God. This is what faith does. He followed Jesus in faith as our Lord went to Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross, fulfilling all that the prophets wrote concerning the Son of Man. And as for glorifying God, well, that's what beggars do when they've received from this merciful King. We stand alongside this man as fellow forgiven beggars. Our confession is the same. Jesus Christ, the Son of David and Son of God, has healed me. He has had mercy on me. For me, a sinner, he shed his blood and died. This Jesus is risen and ascended, and he has promised to return that I may be with him in paradise eternally and never be separated from him again. But most briefly, to glorify God is this, to recount what he has done. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people the sons of Jacob and Joseph. So we prayed in the gradual. Quinquagesima Sunday prepares us for our Lenten journey with one final thing, faith alone. As with the previous two weeks, this final Sunday of pre-Lent, it teaches us to despair of ourselves and to rest solely in the grace of God and Jesus Christ, our Savior. In faith, we cling to Jesus. We are beggars before a merciful King. Though the Alleluias have already gone, the Kyrie never departs. Jesus' ear remains constantly open to our cries. We receive our wages according to his gracious generosity. We receive the word according to his boundless love. And we cry to him as beggars who have nothing but expect to receive all good things from his nail-pierced hands. God be praised for his love, which is patient and kind. By his grace, we are saved. By his word and sacraments, we are given faith, and Christ alone is our salvation. O Lord, have mercy upon us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For humble and contrite hearts that cry out to God, our rock of refuge, and for grace to follow Christ, our Savior, with joy, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church, as she prepares for Lent, that our God, who opened the eyes of the blind to see and the ears of the deaf to hear, would open our eyes and ears anew through the preaching of law and gospel, that we would see and hear his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the family and all godly Christian homes, that God would give parents diligence and persistence in their duties to teach the faith in word and example, that he would keep adults and children alike in the promises of holy baptism, and that the patience, kindness, and endurance of Christian love would have no end among us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who serve in law enforcement and in our armed forces, that God would protect them and give courage to all who serve in hazardous situations, and that God would bestow wisdom on our leaders so we may live in peace according to his will. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick, the dying, those homebound, and those recovering, especially Earl Brandt, Pauline Plackmeyer, Pat Taney, Norma Horine, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that our compassionate Father would ease their pain, remove their anxiety, and comfort them by his forgiving love. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who gather for worship this day, that we would eagerly receive God's gifts of word and sacrament with thanksgiving, and through them joyously obtain the forgiveness of sins and behold his glory, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, what you, have, what you foretold through the holy prophets has been fulfilled and accomplished in the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son. You have set forth his passion and resurrection as the firm foundation and content for our faith. Have mercy on us and fix our eyes on the Son of David at all times. Give us courage to follow him through all adversity and every assault of the devil and to view his passion with repentant hearts and delight. For by it you have redeemed us from all sin and evil. Comfort us with the certainty of Christ's resurrection, by which we have the confidence of eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Once again, good morning and welcome on this uh, Septuagesima, or I'm sorry, goodness, I'm starting all over again, Quinquagesima, uh, as we uh, now go into the week um, towards Lent proper. Handful of announcements before we continue with our day. Of course, Sunday school and Bible study immediately following worship. Uh, today, in the study of the Gospel of Matthew, we'll be looking at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Uh, this coming Tuesday, Trinity Classical Classroom at 9 a.m. And then at 9.30 a.m., I'll be up in Trenton, uh, the circuit pastor's meeting that happens once a month. Uh, the old German name for that is, is uh, Winkle or Winkel. And you know what? I don't actually know what that word means. All these years, don't know what it means. Um, uh, I think it has something to do with coming together, which is what we'll be doing to study the scriptures and, and discuss matters of the circuit. 
this coming Wednesday, midweek school and confirmation at 3.30. And then uh, at 5.45, we will have our Ash Wednesday divine service with the imposition of ashes. So do take note of that. Also that evening, I'll be handing out the devotion books that we'll be using throughout the season of Lent. So please uh, be on the lookout for those. I'll have them in the back over here and over on the glass case as well. Then Thursday, a handbell choir at 7 p.m. Uh, this week, the Midweek Lenten Supper is being uh, prepared by the Alpha Circle, and they've got the menu included there in the bulletin for you. And also, please note, we do have a sweetheart dinner a week from today. So uh, we have the joy of a baptism in the morning, uh, and then later on that day, uh, at five, from 5 to 7 p.m., um, uh, the Trinity Youth, who are heading to higher things, have prepared for you a Trinitino's Lutheran Bistro. So please come and join them for an evening of tasty Italian cuisine, as we have it there in the bulletin. Uh, there'll be a free will offering gathered for those youth who are attending this year's Higher Things conferences. Uh, anything that I might have missed? All right, seeing nothing, go in God's peace, uh, knowing that you have been given the gift of faith by the word of God, which then clings to Jesus, who is the object of our faith, the one who has given to us forgiveness, life, and salvation. We go forth in that joy. I'll greet you at the door.